This week's episode is probably brought to you by trick-or-treaters at my door making the dogs explode. So hopefully we can keep things under wraps, but we'll have to see. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 1st, 2016. A day late this week because of my uh, struggle with the stomach flu. Don't get that. Life hack tip for you guys. Coming up on the show, good process with mixed results, Miko season debut, the Avs' new method to tell apart the Borks, and how do we get McKinnon some goals? But before all that, and before we play the whoosh, I will remind you on this extra spooky Halloween recorded version of the show that we do feature disembodied voices, and they are, as always, Earl of Six. Hey, Earl. Boo! And Ryan Murphy, how are you, Ryan? Boo. So, rattling chains and whooshing noises. That stopped for you abruptly. On Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the Avs did fuck all before finally on Friday, the Winnipeg Jets came to Denver and stole a schedule win from us, one to nothing on the back of a 37 save shutout from Michael Hutchinson. The game's only goal was scored by Sean Mathias, former Av, because of course it was. And this was Paul Maurice's 100th win with Winnipeg, because of course it was. It was frustrating for many Avs fans to wait a week for Colorado to accomplish nothing offensively. But, I believe Eddie Izzard can explain this, and I'm going to let him try. With uh, a small metaphor. But in Britain, we don't win many gold medals at the Olympics, because we've chosen not to. It's a political statement, because we hate our national anthem. Because it's God Save the Queen, you see. God Save the Queen. Now, the Queen lives in a very big house. She has barbed wire outside and people with guns in front of that. That's one saved fucking queen, I tell you. Decent odds that the Avalanche also hate our goal song. (laughs) I do, too. I think you've uncovered something here. Then the next night, the Avs take a schedule loss to Arizona and take a convincing 3-2 win over the Coyotes. Matt Duchesne scores twice in this one, and Rene Bork gets on the board as well. Colorado outshot, outattempted, outscored, and flat outplayed the home team in this one. A crushing win over an inferior opponent, which often in the past we've seen the Avalanche play down to opponents that we know that they're better than, so this was a very welcome change. Uh, last week, we demanded four points. We got two. Are you upset by that? I am, but, you know, I'll live. It's, you know, the, if, if they had played very poorly in the loss to Winnipeg, then it would be a, a lot harder to take. But uh, they did everything but score. Right. You uh, are going to have a certain amount of goalie losses every year. And that was one of them. <laughs> I mean, dude stood on his head and kept everything out of the net. And, you know... Uh, doesn't matter how many shots or how high a quality of shots they were. It just was going to be one of those nights. One of the toe saves he made on, the, on a two-on-one that happened about mm, five, eight minutes into the third, I was just like, well, that's that. <laughs> Nothing's getting through tonight. Yeah, I mean. It's, you could just tell. Yeah. Now, hats off to the guy. He played a great game. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, the underlying statistics, the possession numbers were very encouraging, and those weren't the kind of losses we were getting last year, the last three seasons. Especially not to Winnipeg. Especially not to Winnipeg. And I would hope this team is beating teams like Winnipeg, you know, going on throughout the season, but being off for five whole days is just not going to be an easy game. Sure, you're (laughs) rested, but you're rusty. And boy, did we see that when that game started. Oh, my goodness. Right. That first period was really bad. And you know what? From the second period on, really good. Did, did we notice them doing anything different, or did the team just turn it on and suddenly play more aggressively or something? Because like, I didn't notice anything overwhelmingly different other than the whole team suddenly looked like the abs again. I, I think they just woke up because they just, you know, it, it's not like they were incredibly slow or anything like that, but it just, it's that last, you know, 5%, 10% of speed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they finally got that going in the second period and, and, you know, things went well from there as far as shot metrics and controlling the game. 
<clears throat> but they were just a little slow in the first period, and it, it showed. Yeah, we're watching Jared Bednar shake some things up with his forecheck, you know, throughout games a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a function of the score. He's just trying some new things with different players, but I'm not seeing that consistently enough with results in order to, you know, make any declarations either way. But, you know, we're seeing this team be able to adapt in the middle of games, and that is just welcome, welcome sight for sore eyes. Yeah, there's still, I, I think he's still trying to feel out how he can count on certain players in certain situations. And I mean, you could tell after the game, he was really not happy with the effort in the first period. And I'm sure he let them know about it. He's very detail oriented and something like, you know, being a little half-assed for the first five minutes of a game like that isn't going to fly. So, uh, you know, he's, he's just got to get to the point and it's going to be 20 games in 30 games in. We don't know, but he's got to get to the point where he knows what he can expect from everybody. Knows the buttons to push, knows the, you know, the line changes he can make in order to get, you know, a different sort of effort out of a team that's underperforming on a particular night. Yeah. Or like you said, the four check, I mean, you know, if, if the one, two, two isn't working then you know, go for something more aggressive, try a two, three or a two, one, two or something. Um, but it's you know it's probably tough for him to figure out like do I need to change what they're doing or who is doing what? Precisely. Uh, so it's just you know it's it's a process and it's going to take a while. But well, I like this team in that they can make these dynamic shifts in the middle of a game. I, I felt for the last couple of years we're just you know trying to put a square peg in a round hole for two periods sometimes, and you know it wasn't adapting in the middle of games. Yeah, yeah. I mean. We so see much. a line blender. That was about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there was so much forcing, uh, you know, like if, if something isn't working, you just got to try harder type of mentality. Right. And, you know, just you, you, you got to switch well, like things up for these people. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the fact that this team can present different challenges to different teams. And uh, it may not be as predictable as it, you might think an avalanche team might be. They might be able to play different styles of hockey to, you know, approach different teams and different players. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Actually counter what you're up against. It's uh, it's very frustrating to me to watch uh, some fan reactions come in as, as if the Avalanche are out there skating against nobody. Yeah. You, they're not just not doing things. There's a reason things aren't working. Sure. I mean, they've been shut out twice this year. The first time was against the Capitals, who, if you hadn't heard, won the President's Trophy last year. And the second shutout was a game where the goalie made 37 saves. Yeah. And we've done that to enough people before that, that you know you should kind of recognize when that's happening. We're getting our comeuppance. Yeah, that was... That was a little obnoxious. 37 still is no, you know, Craig Anderson 53 save shutout in the playoffs. <laughs> but, uh... Yes. I think another thing you can take out of that is that, you know, it wasn't all the, well, all the skill guys. It wasn't the skill guys that they do have in Winnipeg that, that came up with the offense there. No. It was Sean Mathias. No, it wasn't Shifley. It wasn't yeah. Little and Wheeler. And th I mean, those guys honestly didn't look very dangerous all night. Yeah. Wouldn't line A. Line A did give me a couple of hiccups, but... I mean, if he has the puck and he's near the net, he's scaring you. Exactly. Looks good on the power play, too. He's going to be a weapon. Yeah, I'm not real happy with uh, the prospect of playing that guy five times a year. Nope. Well, no, sir. I, I love his shot, but I mean... He's not Ovechkin, not, you know, Ovechkin seems one-dimensional in your mind, but he's not. No. And I think, I think line A is pretty one-dimensional at this point. Yeah. I, I hope he doesn't progress much just for our sakes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he demands a trade in Colorado. Us. Right. Yeah. I hope he progresses a lot. Yeah. Because he's yeah, going to be really fun to watch if he does progress. Yeah, I think we're seeing the makings of probably one of the next great power forwards in this league. And that sucks to play against. 
I mean, the division was obviously hurting for dynamic forwards, so this will be, be good to add one. Hi, person at the door. Trick or treat. It was a dearth of scoring there for a little bit, wasn't there? It was tough. I mean, <clears throat> it, it didn't help that, that Haynes and McNabb were pointing that out because I, w I really wasn't thinking about it in the first period of the Phoenix or the Arizona game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all I saw was, you know, they're playing well. They're just, you know, they didn't get one to fall yet. Yeah, I'm still not looking for results entirely yet. I mean, I, I still want to see this process play out. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to look for little things that are going to help this team, you know, between games 20 and 40. You know, I don't need this team to be as good as it's going to be yet. We don't expect them to be that. Well, that's one of the things that Bedner mentioned during one of his week of doing nothing pressers was um, that we're not concerned about outcomes. If, we, if we're doing things right, the outcomes will take care of themselves. Um, and that was in response to a question about some player. Uh, you can't hear the question um, <laughs> ever. Right, because it's so hard to put, you know, one microphone in a room. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I mean, they, and I've seen them do press conferences before where they will walk someone around with a boom mic to take care of that problem. I don't know when the pro when that practice stopped. I wish they'd bring it back. Maybe um, Fry didn't like it. Maybe. But <laughs> well, that's what it came down to was Bedner mentioned, you know, said something like that, and he said, you know, it's just like the wins and losses. As long as you're doing things the right way, the outcomes will take care of themselves. And not only that, I want to see, you know, when you have a night like – we had against Winnipeg. I want to see sort of what, what he does to get guys going that weren't going, you know, we're caution and Barry were terrible shot metric wise against Winnipeg. And you but they what? come back the next night and they were incredible. And I mean, really we're caution plus 11 minus zero in the first period and ended up, I think plus 22 minus five, you know, I mean that, you that know, seems they, okay. Yeah. They roared back and, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's just sort of bad night, good night stuff or, or you know, whether it's something that, that Pratt worked with them with very quickly or matchups or something like that. I tried to scan the charts and see if, you know, if, if who they were playing with and against made a difference. But, you know, it, it, it might have been something as simple as like, hey, you know, like back off this guy, you know, two feet more when you're, you know, coming into the zone or something like that. And, mm -hmm. You know, it worked. Yeah, we saw Barry get better throughout that Winnipeg game, too. I mean, they switched him off Weirkosh to Johnson's side, you know, for a little yeah. bit there. Then you could definitely see the possession stats start to even up. Yeah, because, I mean, Z and EJ are just killing it. Yeah. You don't worry about that right now. You're almost worrying about spreading out the talent. Yeah. Which, that's a nice problem. <laughs> You're worried it's maybe about what do you do in Federer Chutin's healthy. <laughs> Uh, do the same thing that he's doing currently, not playing hockey. <laughs> that that may be a good idea. That may not be what we see. Right. Is well, he going to be an improvement over Jelena? I think Jelena improved a lot in the two games this weekend over what we saw against Florida. Cause that he first was, game was rough. Yeah, he was horrible and basically got benched, but... You know, he, he looked a lot better. I remember uh, he, he was definitely getting some shifts with Barry um, at various times, and his, his time on ice went up because he was lagging uh, beforehand. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to take Tootin's minutes when Tootin's healthy, but, you know, at least he's an option now. Yeah. I mean, we were winning hockey games with Tootin. I'm not sure he was at his high point you know before he got hurt i still think we probably have something left we can get out to let's hope so oh for sure yeah. and i don't i don't think he's rampage bound or anything but uh the, the question then becomes who comes out when he comes in and is it where he's now your seventh defenseman because i mean that's how fair is that to a guy who is only out of the roster because he got injured to then now have to play himself back into a spot I don't know. There's there's a what lot competition of competition does it creates you know these roster problems yeah and 
We're not paying him so much money that we can't afford to keep him on the bench for stretches of games when Jelena's good. Yeah, and Jelena's been good, so... Yeah, he he had he, he was pant shittingly awful for one game and then he was fine. After like he's like, all right, you got your bat out of the way, now we're good. And honestly, Jelena's the one that's gonna have you know, he has the better chance of having the long term relationship with the club. You know, I, I don't you know, it's I am not gonna predict the future, but you know, at the end of the season Jelena's gonna be RFA and Tutin's gonna be unrestricted and old, so you know, what are you going to do there? <laughs> Probably not sign Tootin. Hmm, I wonder. It's a bold <laughs> prediction you're making there, though. Bold. I, he could be fantastic by the end of the year. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he could, you know. That would be bold. I know. <laughs> it does happen occasionally, but I don't see it happening, honestly. Sorry, Fetter. Miko Rantanen, unfortunately, hasn't gotten a point. Out of these first couple of games, I was like really thinking that he had gotten a, a primary assist on Randy Bork's goal, um, but I guess he didn't touch the puck after all, or the official score was like, that doesn't count, because he did kind of slap at I, it and not really get it. I think 96 and 92 are getting mixed up a lot. That definitely happened according to um, Tempestuous Binary on the Coyotes' uh, feed, and... Thank you, world, for all of your tights to that sneeze you probably just heard from across my house. That was really massive. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you you may not be wrong about that, but um, Miko Rantanen was called up. He did not end up playing in the game on Tuesday, as we, as we kind of decided last week he probably wouldn't. And uh, here he is. What do we think? I, I think he 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 he's above my expectations so far as far as getting into his I don't you know let's let's not count what he did last year as his real debut. Right. Um, hey, I mean, let's outline what our expectation was because we had expectations last week of him playing on the third and fourth line, and you know yeah. what? He's been playing on the top line. Yeah, Bender said, "Nope, forget that. You are going straight to the fire." Yeah, I guess well, we have to retrain our, ourselves as well. <laughs> He's not playing fourth line center, you know, trying to earn the coach's trust. And by my eye, he has absolutely belonged up there. I mean, he may have not scored yet. He may not have an assist yet, fairly or not, but he has absolutely belonged there. Defensively, he's belonged there. Uh, as a supplementary piece to our top players, he's belonged there. Yeah, I mean, in everything but scoring, and he's been close. He's been very close. And he's, you know, you can see the playmaking ability that he has just, you know, in things that did, didn't happen to go in. But um, I was listening to McKinnon's comments, uh, I think, in between games, and he's like, yeah, it's, you know, he's really talented, fun to play with. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun to watch those two develop some chemistry if they're together for a while. Yeah, I know I was probably the one dissenter against the group of Avalanche fans last year who didn't think he was big enough to play. Like, I thought he was big enough from day one. But you definitely don't think that this year. No, he has a... I don't even know that it's so much to do with size as it is with just the way that he, like, uses that size. Because he, last year, he was brand new and looked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this season he has a presence on and off the puck where you know when Rantanen's on the ice doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's awesome because he's not a really physical guy like he could be at his size, you know, at 6'4", 215. You know, he's not smashing into people all over the place, but it's just, I mean, you're right, presence is a perfect word for it. I mean, he's great at creating space somehow. And I, I'm not sure exactly how he does it, but it just seems an instinctual thing where he gets the puck and he's suddenly, you know, six feet away from people rather than right next to them. Right. He uses his body to shield the puck well, and his limbs and stick length are long. I mean, uh, it's just he's got a way of pushing off the boards, too, that's really impressive for a guy at a young age. 
And, you know, the fact that anybody's mistaking him for 92 is also portends good things. We've always seen the Avalanche numbers get misread by, you know, everybody. Because they're kind of funky. But it's usually threes and fives. <laughs> and two and six is a little tough to, to justify that. And, uh... Last I, last I checked, it's not hard to tell those two apart on the ice at all. I saw a shot of Gabe making that pass, and his jersey was kind of folded in the back. So, I, I mean, I can kind of see how it happened. But Well, I mean, the pass came was it was something that comes in, rattles off the boards, and ran and kind of tries to get a stick on it, and it looked like he sort of did. Yeah. But whatever. For, just rob us of his first point of the year. That's cool. <clears throat> I thought he had it. That was actually news to me. So I did too. I was going to make that a talking point. And then I looked on the box score and said, hang on a minute. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was sure he had one until the next day when I checked the box score. Huh. I was very frustrated. Well, but what is on the scoreboard is top line minutes. And uh, he was plus seven, you know, shot attempts last night. I'm sorry, on Saturday. Very and strong outings, both of them. Very strong. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and it's kind of like found money because, you know, the whole preseason and whatnot, we're like, you know, oh, his top six is just really lacking a wing. Found one. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it turns out it only lacked a wing because that wing lacked an ankle. Um, also on the scoreboard were two goals from Matt Duchesne and that first one. Jeez. That's a hell of a backhand, right? Yeah. With a stick in his face. After a hell of a pass from Gugarenko, like everything about that goal was ridiculous. It was backhand to backhand. You know, he's shooting close to 30%. I think he's got five goals and 17 shots this year. Right. I mean, he's... You know, on the plus side of PDO, whereas the rest of the Avalanche are definitely minus. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, I, obviously I don't think he's going to shoot 30% all year. Ah, uh, uh, come on. But I, I think he could evolve into sort of a Tangay-ish type shooting percentage just from where he shoots for most of the time. Like, Cause he takes he's not good shots. low percentage shots. Yeah, he could be an 18% guy throughout yeah. the season. And a good year. So do you think that he gets back to 30 this year? I do if his power play goals kind of jump back up into what it was last year. Because right now he's not seeing the same sort of minutes on the power play, and he's not seeing the same kind of usage. Um, he's not getting the same kind of uh, teammates. That's true as well. I mean, he's playing on our second unit, which is, you know perhaps temporary, but he's also not parked in front of the net like he was last year. All he has to do is score 25 goals in the next 75 games. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> has he done that before? <laughs> Try to do it in one month last year in what, December? Gonna... I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got like something like mid-20s goals in a shortened season like that. Yeah. I'm going to check. Last year, he didn't score until I think he had one or two goals going into December, and he ended up with 30. Right. So, anybody worried about, you know, anybody scoring? I mean, it happens that quickly. You know, it goes in waves, and it does for every player in the league. It's not just that. I mean, it, the, the 30% shooting says a couple of things. The, the biggest thing it says is that. If he has the puck around the net and even the tiniest bit of space, he can put it in. Unless it's a backhand. <laughs> Duchesne scored 24 in 81 as a rookie. He scored 21, uh, 23 in 71 in 2013-2014. And several of those 71 games, if I remember right, were on the knee after he had tweaked it in a rut. So this is yeah I think it, I think he's in a very good position to reach that milestone again myself. Yeah, I mean honestly, I mean he could be mid thirties if he stays healthy. Dare I say forty? Well, now thirty is different from forty. 
Well, I mean, he's got five and seven games, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Theoretically, <laughs> she could have 60. <laughs> With my luck, I will be making no such predictions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I just, I think that, that he could get mid-30s and it's not going to surprise me. Yeah, it's conceivable. Absolutely. I mean, he's again, I think he's got to get the power play time that he was getting last year to hit those marks. So on the opposite side of that coin is Nathan McKinnon, who has been struggling to actually uh, put anything in the back of the net. So let's have a look at that. How do you guys feel about his production so far? What's going on? And Because that's how fans have responded to him. Um, I, you know... He's getting shots. He's shot metrics are good. I, I just, you know, I, I don't know why he's not scoring, but I, I don't think it's a permanent thing. I think it's something that you know, he, he's just click and go off on a tear and he'll probably cool off and go off on a tear just like everybody else. Yeah. I think he's also adjusting so well to this new system defensively that he may have been a little too focused on things that are outside of his natural scoring ability uh, because his line has been very, very good no matter who's playing on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's not scoring goals does not worry me right now with that kind of output. And also, I think part of how Jared Bednar is uh, bringing the defense along from the depths of hell that it was last year is he's making it a little more low event than maybe we'd like. And I I think once he's more comfortable with how the defense plays, everybody plays together, he's going to be able to open that up a little bit more. Right. I think that's a great observation. And we're seeing some of our high event defensive players going through a little adjustment period too. I mean, uh, Tyson Berry's had atrocious games and, you know, earth-shattering games so far, possession-wise. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, when, by the time we get to January, if everybody's really digging the system and it's, it's really clicking, he's going to have the option to really open up play more and, I mean, not take silly chances, but take good chances. What you were kind of mentioning is that you're you're not too up, too concerned about McKinnon's goal output because the line is still producing. He's got six points in seven games. Yeah, right. He's got five assists. He he's, he's got a point per game player. He, he's got more assists per game and more points per game than he's ever had in a full season. Like he's he is causing more offensive production than we should expect from him by his career numbers. It's just not his stick putting the puck in the net. Yeah, yeah. he is play making. So where where is the slump that he's being dater jinxed out of? That's what I want to know. Where is the slump? I think it's goal scoring. I think everybody wants to see him score goals. I mean, I know I do. He scores fantastic goals. Remember uh, when Matt Duchesne went a month without scoring goals, but still had almost an assist a game? That's yeah. this. Not good enough. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> These uh, sound bites we're starting to incorporate are genuinely awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm so not concerned about this. I mean, not only is he keeping up that assist rate, but he's making his teammates better too. I mean, Miko Ranton and Mikhail Grigorinko have been solid themselves, and this team is pinning other teams back you know, in their end for long stretches of time. Um, so yeah, everybody's happy with McKinnon and, uh, calm down. I think it's the takeaway there. Just calm down guy. I want to see him score more goals just like everybody else does. But if he's producing his shot metrics and assists like that, you really can't argue with it. There will be a market correction here at some point. It's just inevitable. Yeah. Sooner or later, someone's going to pass him the puck right where it needs to be. So, um, with those three top star forwards handled, um, who's your, who's, we're gonna be, who's our stars and scratches for the week? 
And with the obvious out of the way being Matt Duchesne, number one, with two goals, one of them incredible. Um, aside from that, my first one would be the fourth line. Um, Who is the fourth I'm, line? We're, <clears throat> I'm going to call the fourth line for now uh, Colborne, Mitchell, and Martinson because they were fantastic in both games. Um, great shot metrics. Um, they seem to gel quicker than any other line. Um, and they just, you know, they did a great job out there. And they, you know, they got real minutes. They weren't playing, you know, five, six, seven minutes. They were all playing big minutes and killing penalties and, and all of that. So, I mean, they were an integral part of the team and they did great as far as your statistical overview. Yeah, John Mitchell's been a nice addition so far being back. I mean, absolutely no complaints there. Um, I've actually I've been a huge fan of Andreas Martinson this year in general, so I mean, yeah. I'm very happy to see him get a mention anytime he gets one. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've mentioned him almost every week, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, he's He's so much better than I thought he could be. Um, and that's, you know, he, he's better than some guy you pick up as a UFA for the, the price that we're paying. At 25 years old? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one found this guy? Yeah. And he's big and he does his job well and he can skate. So, I mean, that's just, you know. That guy has a place in this league. He He's no Rene Bork, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Renee Bork is a goal scorer, man. Yeah, he is now. He is now. <clears throat> All right, uh, let me throw a number one out here. Um, Eric Johnson is probably easily my number one star of the week. Okay. Now, he um, didn't score two goals, so we're going to have to see some justification here. Right. Um, you know, and actually, he's probably responsible for giving up that one goal, you know, against Winnipeg, but. The way he is controlling the ice on both ends is just really impressive to me. I think he's enjoying playing in the system, and it shows. Uh, he is owning his matchups defensively. I also want to shout out to Nikita Zadorov, who took a boneheaded penalty on Friday, and that was the first one I could remember in several games. Which is yeah. an improvement. It's a vast improvement. That's exactly what we need from Zadorov for him to become the top pairing defenseman that he can be for us. Yeah, I mean he he's looked great next to Johnson, and, and Johnson is definitely a, a lot of that. But um, you know, you, you're you're just sort of giggling looking at those two playing at each other. <laughs> it's just two big guys like that that can cover a lot of ice just by standing still since they're both tall they can both skate like the wind um you know it's like neither of them are, are producing heavily on offense but you know what what they do as far as letting other guys produce offense is fantastic yeah they're getting the puck up ice yeah and keeping the puck in the zone and that's that's something that the abs last year were just so poor at i mean it, it one reason there are so many one and duns is just nobody could keep the puck in, and that wasn't all the defense. But you know that's that's sort of a Nick Holden bugaboo, mm -hmm. as, as Rangers fans <clears throat> are finding out. It's been obviously a week we're pretty happy with, and only a couple of games to go on. How much can we come up with for scratches? Apart from um, on behalf of Blake Como, the officiating in the Winnipeg game. I was going to say that Como's line was I, – I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because they were, they were kind of slaughtered in both games possession-wise, and I'm not sure why. Um, you know, I you mean, know it's, easy, it's easy to say Renee Bork is there, and that's, that's why they're terrible, but um, I don't – you know, it, it – Obviously, Bednar was able to get Barry Wirkosh from bad to good over the course of that flight to Phoenix, but he was not able to do the same with the Soderberg line, and I'm not I'm not sure what's failing there. I mean, they I know they get really tough matchups, but 
you know, just looking at the charts, they're not that tough and they're not that much worse than anyone else. Yeah, I, I think the biggest disappointments for me so far this season are definitely Como and Soderberg. And uh, those are guys that I thought were consistently reliable players last year. And uh, I'm not sure why they're having a more difficult adjustment time than everybody else, but it's been rough. So I think Soderberg has had a really remarkable drop-off in terms of quality of teammates. <coughs> um, he's being used differently with different guys that aren't as offensively talented. Um, he, he may still be penalty-killing from time to time with Gabe Landeskog, but um, in, in general, he's not just getting the same sort of stuff that he's used, start, used to get. So He started out with Duchesne and Grigorenko. And, and started but, out, but yeah. that was what, like a game or two? It was a couple games, but I mean, it definitely didn't work. I'm not, again, I, I, I don't think it's him. And I don't think it's him that's making this line terrible either, but I, I'm not sure what is making that line horrible. But that just seems to be the other line. You know, because like the fourth is working line. great. Even, I mean... Even Iggy started to look okay next to Duchesne. And the top line's fantastic. So you know, th these are the guys that aren't going right now. Well, when we're all pretty pleased with with that uh, the team in general, that's yeah. about the best we can do. And I think it's very telling as in terms of a difference from last season to this that none of our scratches are on the blue line. Yeah. Um, so the Avalanche are finally tired of being badgered by Twitter users about which Bork they're talking about, and they finally devised a way to tell them apart. So thank goodness you may be thinking they finally adapted Gork and Rourke. Nope, cleverer. They just reassigned one. Gabriel Bork to San Antonio. The team are now carrying a roster of 22. That's an interesting move because I, I thought at first that, that Tootin was going to be out for a while and they were going to call up a defenseman, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So they're just banking a little cap right now and they want they want Gabe Bork to play and you know I think he'll do fine in San Antonio. Other than it's not like they really need forwards down there, but <laughs> you know throw it on the pile. Yeah, I don't really have much much thoughts on that either, other than that it's news that Bork, one of the Borks is now an AHL Bork. American Bork and National Bork. We'll see Wednesday how Gabe does. Yeah, I've been, I was meaning to ask you, and I forgot to mention that I was going to ask you this, so I apologize for the blind side here, um, but I'm seeing all this A.J. Greer hype, and I need explanations. Well, he's... He's playing very well and producing. Um, he's on a line with JT Comfer and Rocco Grimaldi, and they are the top-scoring line by quite a bunch. Um, but Greer has eight points in eight games. Grimaldi has seven points in eight games. And I forget, Comfer has either five or six. Um, but it's just great to see three young guys like that together, and they're 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 a lot more productive than the veterans that we picked up to to be the first line mm -hmm. and that it's sort of a disappointment how that's going but you know it's a new system for them too and we're talking about your Sislos and vogel hubers and yeah the Sislo, joe whitney and mm -hmm. uh jim o'brien you know i figured that would be the the first line and it was for a while but they you know they just didn't have any chemistry so Eric Veyu's been bouncing them around the lineup to try to figure out who works well with who. Um, and like the Avs, they have a, a wonderful fourth line down there, which is Julian Nantel, Troy Burke, and right now Alex Belzeal, who's a, an AHL contract, who played, I think, about 25 games for them last year. Um, but they Isn't it nice that the prospects are the, the best players on your AHL team? Yeah. It is. And, um, a long time. <laughs> and not Dave Vander Gulick and Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I mean I know that, that Whitney and Sislo and, and O'Brien Vogelhuber, they're you know, they're gonna contribute in their ways throughout the season. It's you know, 
it's only 10% into the season or whatever it is right now. So it's, it's not a big worry, but it's, it's great to see that right off the bat that the young kids are really driving play. Well, and, Greer's doing a point per game right now, you know, yeah. like Rantanen style pace, you know, at it, 19 it, years old, he's doing the same exact thing. Yeah, he is. Um, he's extremely skilled in front of the net. Um, that, that's where just about all his, all right, that's where all his goals are coming from. And his assists are coming basically either bouncing them out from the front of the net or digging for pucks really hard in the corner or good forechecking. So, um, you know, there have been whispers that the Avs were interested in bringing him up sooner rather than later. And, you know, he's making a great case for that so far. That was going to be my question for you. You know, if the Avalanche lose a top nine forward for a stretch of time, you know, who's the call up? Um, is it Grimaldi? I doubt Grimaldi. Um, Ben Smith. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, he won't be him. Um, you know, it's, if, if this is a a month from now, they'd probably call it Greer. Um, and it might be sooner than that, but it's just, I, I think the org needs more time to see, how he reacts in sort of all situations rather than just offensive ones mm-hmm. before they'd be confident making that move. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm at the point now where I'm thinking that he's going to be with the abs anytime from mid season on. And it wouldn't surprise me. Wow. That's, That'd be uh, cool. was not my expectation going into the year. Definitely not, a, not. I don't think it was anybody's. I mean, not even Cole's who's one of his like, Biggest fans coming into the year, even Cole Hamilton from BSN, formerly of MHH, has been like, I didn't expect this, and I have been all on the AJ Greer hype train. So Yeah, I figured that he might get a couple of games towards the end of the year or something like that, but um, he's just been so impressive so far. <clears throat> you know, he's, he's really taken, you know, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and, and throw Comfort and Grimaldi in there, too. I mean, it, that line is, is what makes that team go right now. And I think all of us were a little worried last year when A.J. Greer's, you know, not getting any playing time at Boston University. And I think all of us were worried that he didn't have the offensive skill that had any sort of NHL upside. You know, sure, yeah. he's kind of a fiery player who'd work hard, but, you know, we didn't need Cody McLeod in the second round. You know, um, from his transfer, essentially, to the queue and, you know, in his time in the NHL, like, my fears are non-existent anymore. Yeah, it's just great that whatever challenge you put in front of this kid, he seems to just gobble up and, and really thrive in it. And it's, it's, I mean, some guys you do that too, and they just choke or they need more time or whatever it is, but it just, you, you put this guy in tough situations and, and he really enjoys that pressure. <clears throat> and that's, that's a fantastic attribute that you can't really quantify, but it, you know, I, I saw it when he was in the Memorial cup in, in the, the Q playoffs last year and I'm seeing it now again. So, you know, it's, it's not just sort of fluky luck stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he he's really good at, at doing this. You know what I can quantify is eight points in eight games. Yeah. <laughs> so let's keep that up. And what we can also quantify is eight games. True. So Small sample size. Be so excited. I mean, everybody needs to be excited. I'm not saying don't enjoy thing. Well, it's just, you know, I don't think he's going to end up with 76 points if he stays there all year, but... You know, it, it's so much better than starting out with three points in eight games. You oh, know, yeah. The confidence, it's just building and building. So, I mean, it, it, it's just, it makes me giddy to think of the kid in two months. It makes me giddy to think the Avalanche could have two 19-year-old rookies of the year, you know, in the AHL two years in a row. Yeah. That'd be crazy. So, um, there's a lot to chew on next week, but before we get there, I want to mention um, that... Uh, no matter what candy your kid got from trick-or-treating, it does not compete with what Eric Tolsky's kid got, um, which is a full bag, like a full-size bag of gummy lifesavers. Like, 
What house is handing out full-sized bags of gummy lifesavers? <laughs> Not mine. Because I'd be eating them. Yeah. <laughs> so there's your jackpot winner for the night. Um, next week, on Tuesday, which is probably today if you listen to these quick, uh, the Strangely Hapless Predators come to Denver for a 7 o'clock mountain start. And then on Thursday, Colorado travel to Chicago to take on the Blackhawks at 6.30. It's a matinee back-to-back to get us through the weekend, which is personally very okay by me. On Saturday, our good friends, the Minnesota Wild, now coached by our very good friend, Bruce Boudreau, roll into Pepsi Center at 1 o'clock. And then on Sunday, the Avs travel to St. Louis to take on our good friends, the Blues, coached by a dream team of good friends, which are Hitchcock and whatever's left of Mike Yo after what Parisi did to him, Rachel. So that one's at three. All games this week are on altitude. It's a tougher schedule. It's four games in six days. <clears throat> Which is uh, better than zero games in five days, right? For us. For us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough stretch of games. I don't care how bad Nashville's looked already. I mean, that's still a team I expect to do well this year. Not anytime soon, though. Depends no. on whether they keep trying to make Renee a thing. It's not just him, though. I mean, Johansson has, like, one goal or no goals or something. I mean, it, you know, uh, Forsberg, he's MIA. I mean, they're just – they're not getting scoring. Their goaltending is lousy. Yeah, Travis Yost was kind of doing a, a look into them on Twitter the other day where he was, like – after defensive zone face-offs, they do very poorly for, like, three shifts – yeah, and, and and then after you know offensive zone faceoffs, they do fine for a couple, which is think, making him think: Are they getting owned in the neutral zone, or what's going on here? So it's deeper than just Rene, but that is still a big problem. It is. I mean, it you know if you're going through a stretch like that where you're really struggling, um, you know you you need your Varley or your Rene to back you up, and then that's not happening. But that's that's our good luck. well really you know starting off a week like this you know if we can get a win right off the bat on tuesday that kind of makes the rest of the week a lot easier Mm -hmm. it Uh, does this is a good time to catch nashville um we hope yeah hopefully it can be the third very strong outing for colorado in a row exactly the scoring results because of it yeah and then Chicago. Those are always fun. They Will have they been. still always be fun? <laughs> we don't know. I mean, this isn't... The the Wash games versus Chicago were wide the fuck open. I don't know if, if, a, if Coach Bender is going to let it be that open. I don't think he will. I, I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch because... Um, you're exactly right. How is, you know, how is JB going to counter that? You know, how is he going to make things different? And the the wide open stuff was fun a couple of years ago, um, but it's, <clears throat> you know, I, I I don't think it's the way to beat them. It worked. Uh, it's not the only way to beat them. Yeah, you I mean, can, I think if we can playing hockey too. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think if we can control the game. Um, he might give us a better shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like Chicago doesn't have a very exploitable hole in their depth forwards, so it's definitely a team that can be taken advantage of if you come at them right. I'm very interested in seeing what kind of possession results uh, come out after that game. I think that'd be a really nice measuring stick to see how well this team is progressing. I'm also curious to see how, like, from a how the league looks at the Avalanche perspective, to see, because this is on the road, who Joe Quenville matches against who. Yes. Yeah. Like, who is the Avalanche's top line to you? Who's their top pairing? And also, it's, you know, like it or not, they're, it's a national team, so the national media is going to pay attention to this. So if the Avs do well, maybe people will pay attention and start writing some things. You know, this is what I see with the Avalanche. I mean, I don't really care that much about what the mainstream media thinks of the Avalanche, but it's, you know, it, it's nice to see 
sort of what what print is coming out about them rather than haha was not there and yar I, it's seeing the same negative angle over and over is tiresome yeah then on saturday we have the return of the worst rivalry in hockey oh. Ooh. <laughs> Someone brought a fucking snake to the show. I'm not sure what that's about. The Minipedio Wild. Jeez. Def and Tubnik's three shutouts in a row and all. <coughs> I Was he not very good last year? Dubnik? No, he wasn't. That means he's due for a Vesna year. He's done this, like, his whole career. He's been awful awesome, awful awesome, awful awesome. In that order. You know what let's do? Let's go to Hockey Reference, because that's going to be the quickest. And let's see. I'm trying to repress this, but I really want to see a win in that game. You know, I, I think if they play well and get, you know... They get good shot metric results and, you know, control the game or <clears throat> and not win. I guess it'll be okay, but it, this feels like the kind of game that would be a, a great time to throw a monkey off their backs. Yeah, I'm going to read you Devin Dubnik's save percentages by season. These are unadjusted. It's just straight-up save percentage. 889, 9-16, 9-14, 9-20, 8-9-1. 929918 and this year so far 952 That's sustainable. Um but this is his 920 plus year. He's obviously got a long way to down to come still. Um no lie there, but I don't understand. <laughs> Makes no sense. It doesn't well, I think this Avalanche team would be happy to uh, knock him down a peg. You know, get him back to that 920-plus range, not the 950-plus range. Yeah, I mean, they're leading the division right now, you know, as it is. Uh, this would be a big win, and, you know, the, the history would just add to that. But again, I, you know, I really don't want to psych myself up for it, but, you know. I haven't like, watched the Wild this year, actually. I'm not even sure what they look like. I'm sure they're ghastly. They look like three Devin Dubnik shutouts in a row recently. <laughs> it's not C4, right? And then on Sunday, St. Louis has been uh, taking a little bit of a dive of their own. We were, we were talking before the show, Earl and I, and St. Louis has dropped like 10 goal differentials since he last checked. Yeah. What I and I don't know why I I mean is that just Jake Allen being Jake Allen I don't know but I don't know I haven't seen any of them I I don't watch their games if I can help it me neither it's just frustrating it is and it's not interesting either yeah you think that defense is getting older we all are we all are. <laughs> <laughs> and on the on the spookiest note of the Halloween episode so far. <laughs> We br bring out the existential dread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's way too spoopy. <laughs> but you know, it, it's not in, it's not ridiculously optimistic to say that all four of these games are winnable. Mm -mm. I'm not saying all four at once, but I'm saying in each of these games, they have to have a good chance if they play the way that they you know played the last couple of games. So, I mean, you know, the, the game against St. Louis is tough just because of the schedule. But Yeah, yeah that's uh, an afternoon game after an afternoon game. It's a little we'll funky. Picked, so we'll definitely win. Unless they put picks up against Minnesota. Even better. Then we'll definitely win that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm predicting four points. Maybe a yeah. fifth. I'll go for a fifth point here. We'll have an overtime game in there. I'm going to predict five to six. 
If you can say four to five, then I can say five to six. Whether they win three or take two to overtime, <laughs> anyone's guess. I'll be pessimistic and say they get four points. Okay. I think they'll beat Nashville. I think they'll beat Nashville and, and Minnesota. Um, I don't think four points is all that pessimistic. I don't either. I mean, those it's, teams. it's 500. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm looking for at this point is to maintain mm-hmm. and keep improving, you know, their statistical play and, and their systemic play. So there's obviously some very emotionally charged games this week for one reason or another. And then also they're all very important in terms of the final standings. So out of these four games, which are the most important for you to come away with two points out of? Preferably two to zero points, but at least two of our own. I mean, I think Minnesota and St. Louis, just because they're above us in the standings. Uh, I mean, I'll take a different approach. I, I want to see them definitely get two points against Nashville because I think they should beat that team the way they've been playing. And I want to see this team be consistent enough to beat teams that they should beat. That's true. If we can bury Nashville right now. <clears throat> For me, I expect Nashville to kind of get it together. Um, I don't think that this is who they are. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I really don't. I really expect Nashville to pull it together as the season goes on. So for me, the two most important are going to be Nashville and uh, Minnesota because those are the teams we're going to be closest to for that second wild card spot. Yep, absolutely. And, or if this is who Nashville is, then it turns into Minnesota and Chicago for the same reasons. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's, early on. Chicago's right in front of us. If we beat them, then we're you know we're we're out of the wild card spot. <clears throat> that would be a trick. Golly, these games are all so cool. If we won them all, we'd be uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this would be a hell of a time to go on a four-game win streak. Yeah. Do it. I mean, you've been playing well enough. I mean, no one's stopping you. All right. So, a very empty week this week, but a very busy one ahead of us. Um, any final ideas or final predictions before we sign off and... It's getting getting on to the evening here. I got some editing to do. Well, I just wanted to give a shout out to the way the Avs have raised their um, Corsi percentages over the past couple of weeks because um, they were pretty brutal for a while starting out. And yeah, I'd like to give credit to to Jared Bednar for that. But <clears throat> I mean, they were fifty eight over fifty eight percent for the weekend. And that just, you know, that's unheard of for this team in the past three years. Way beyond expectations. Along yeah. the same lines, I'd like to shout out um, a, a metric that still isn't very well known yet, which is very strange to me, is expected goals. Um, mm-hmm. Colorado are currently, th- oh, I say currently. Oh, no, it's going to still be currently because there's no fucking games tonight. Um, in third in expected goals against behind Florida and Washington. Yeah. Who would have expected that? No, not even in small sample. Avalanche defense, good. No, come on. The what? Yeah. Uh, It's the strangest thing. (laughs) 2.14 per 60. First in the league is 2.0. I guess we can add Nolan Pratt to the shout-outs. Shout-out Nolan Pratt. Even though he doesn't get to talk to the media like other assistant coaches do. He's doing a great job. Suddenly we're turning into the PSN podcast like, hey, I like this guy. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> now let me interview him. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever happens in this upcoming week, you know, you can find out here. Um, thanks for tuning in to – whoa, that's loud. 
Thanks for tuning in to another week of the uh, Change Podcast. You can catch us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast and mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. Um, catch the Avs news, uh, latest Avs news and updates at milehighhockey.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash milehighhockey. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey. Subscribe to the podcast in your favorite RSS catcher, whether it's <coughs> Podcatcher, FeedBurner, or good old just plain RSS, or iTunes even. What a, what a shock you can use iTunes. Keep your head up in the dirty areas. See you tomorrow night against Nashville and next week. You know, that's, that's sort of a Nick Holden bugaboo. Mm-hmm. As, as Rangers fans <clears throat> are finding out. How yeah. funny is that right now? God, yeah. that's, <laughs> it's just a riot, you know? I, I thought really hard about starting a Nick Holden tweets just general segment, and then I thought, that's kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just not. <laughs> because I also but think I, he's better than you know the reputation he's earning right now in New York, but at least it wasn't Nate Gannon, but on that team, I mean, he was throwing it out. <laughs> randomly and without any purpose as much as anybody yeah and you know those are hard habits to break he's got work to do yeah i mean it, it wasn't like nate Gennons were just like panic punts this was i'm going to make a stretch pass i'm gonna make a stretch pass i'm gonna make a stretch pass it's into the end boards it's in the end boards i see Dude. <laughs> thanks Sorry. nick good one <laughs> All right, let's see if we can. All right, we won the face-off, and there, there go the forwards. And Nick, Nick holds out the puck to make a stretch pass. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so.